Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that wants the new season to start straight away please, Sunday at the very latest. On today's pod we're getting stuck into this week's footballing stories, from a long-awaited transfer reveal to England's Nations League woes. We'll also be checking out the Premier League fixtures for 22-23. Away on the opening day yet again, are we? To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by two Friday favourites. The human equivalent of having a home game on Boxing Day, three o'clock kickoff. It's Adam and Howard. Hi, Adam. Are you well? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, that Boxing Day game will probably get moved now. You've said that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're away as well. It's it's is it Leeds, isn't it? Leeds away on Boxing Day. Wow, that's a tasty one. Dreamy. Yeah, yeah. all good, mate. All good. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Howard, how's yourself? Yeah, not bad. Just can't wait for this podcast to end so I can open a window. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Fair it's enough. a UK one day heat wave. <laughs> is it? So we, traffic you have to make noise, the most of them, don't you, sir? Can you not open it right now because of the traffic noise? Exactly, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a professional. You are. Professional, you are nothing yeah. but professional. In fact, if someone asked me to describe you in one word, I would say professional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd true. say the same. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, there's only one place to start here, and. Um, I think you've already discussed Harland, have you, this week, Howard, on one of the pods? Oh, we may have touched on it yeah. a bit, yeah. I mean, but, how could you not, yeah. Well, I, I hosted on Wednesday, so I didn't get a chance to kind of chuck in my uh, two penneth. Um, and Adam, you haven't chatted yet, so that's, it's an obvious place to start. How do you feel about the transfer? Um, I'm very excited. I mean, it's... It's one of those ones where we've we've known it's been coming for a few months, so that kind of takes the edge off it. But it's probably the most excited I've been about a transfer in my adult life. Yes, yeah. Um, or definitely since like a Rubinho day or um, probably since the return of Wright Phillips or something like that. It's got that kind of X factor about it. And yes, I want to see him playing for us now, but I'm still quite enjoying the break. But it's just... It feels different because it doesn't feel like it was ever a, you know, one of these big transfer sagas that rolls on and it's a bit of a pain. Mm. It just felt it felt like we just got it done and nobody got near us and that's quite nice. It it didn't take away from it. It if anything, it made me just think, Christ, we're actually just able to bring in one of the biggest players or definitely one of the biggest young players in the world in some sort of ease. It's a bit odd. Well. On that note, Howard, how much credit does City deserve for getting this transfer over the line in a, a fairly straightforward manner? So I'm a bit confused here. You put in the notes, big contract announcement. I thought this was about Scott Carson. <laughs> We've got a separate pod for him. Let's... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, we'll stick to Erling Haaland. Well, yeah, the, the cheek, cheeky out brigade are quiet this week, aren't mm-hmm. they? Well, actually, so be back Jed, when Bernardo Silva. I, I saw one yesterday. Actually, but they're still at it. Please, one was saying please. that he's, he's gone on holiday, and was like, "Oh, how typical of him to go on holiday when he should be at work." It's like, oh my god! <sighs> yeah. So, well, hope he's not going through Manchester Airport. That's all I can say. So, use Thomas Cook apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he might be turning straight back home. To be honest, uh, be available for work. Yeah, I mean they do because it's not. Basically, he's a player that every club in the world would happily have signed if they could have done. Yeah. And we're up against Real Madrid, who are now, of course, pretending that they never wanted him anyway. Yeah. Uh, like a spurned uh, boyfriend. It's just like, 
and Real Madrid have the you know, the pull that they've always had, and they are the European champions once more, and the league and league title holders. You know, it's just amazing, really. I think it's a bigger pull because all this. I've been a City fan all my life. I mean, I really like that, but I don't truly believe that. Uh, or more to the point, I don't think it's relevant to the decision no, he make. No, he's looking at he's looking at the grand picture. Yeah, Harlan Junior and Senior, I guess. Uh, what's the best move for me? What, where do I go next that I conquer the world? And he chose Manchester City. It's mm. it's the yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's long, long, complicated process that, thankfully, yeah, was wrapped up by the start of the summer, and City got it sorted. I think huge. It's as I said in the previous podcast. This is it's the biggest Premier League signing ever. I think. Yeah. Uh, and it shows, it's like, it's a watershed moment that shows that Manchester City can sign any player in the world. They have the potential to sign any player in the world. Yeah. So I mean, no one is off bounds in the future, really, if they can sign Erling Haaland. Yeah, in many aspects, mm-hmm. it feels a very un-City signing, doesn't it? Um, in, in that regard, you know, we've gone out and we've got the very best um and we don't tend to have done that in the past. You know, we, we don't get anything like the credit we deserve for how we've sourced players who are top tier, but, you know, in that kind of £60 million region who can you know, then go on to really progress. Whereas Haaland, frankly, was the most desired footballer on the planet and there was only one destination for him. You, you said there about him conquering the world. Obviously, by doing so, by default, it'll mean City conquering the world. As regards to our, us in the Champions League, Adam, what can he give us that City have previously lacked? Um, confidence. And mm. I know that sounds stupid. Um, I was I was actually looking back over the season reviews and stuff the other day when I was bored at work. Don't tell my boss. Um, <laughs> and just looking at some of the Champions League games. And there were times, and the, there's probably three or four moments if you look back in some of the games, especially the the first leg of the Real Madrid game where City found themselves on the break and you'd have Mares or Jesus or Sterling, two of them at once running at one defender. And at no point are you thinking, oh my God, we're going to score here. Mm. Instead, you're thinking, oh, don't don't cock it up. Don't cock it (laughs) up. And this signing for me, Haaland is the man there where you think he's going to score here. He's, he's just going to go past him and he's going to score. And I don't think we've had that since Aguero. And even with Aguero, sometimes you think maybe he's going to pass it here or whatever. We've now got a player who we can pin some hope on going forward. And he's just going to be reliable. He's not going to score every chance. He's not going to score in every game. He's going to miss some penalties. He's going to miss some easy chances, but he's going to take more than he misses. And he's going to give us that extra fear factor as well. Um, as we know, I'm probably Sterling's biggest fan and have been since he joined the club, but he doesn't strike fear into um, a Van Dyke. He doesn't strike fear into insert any other good defender here when he goes mm. one-on-one. None of those defenders are going to look forward to playing Erling Haaland. Like, not at all. You saw Mark Noble this week, and this was yes. one, of the best, one of the best quotes from his defend, uh, from his retirement. And he said something along the lines of, um, I'm going to be on the beach with a cocktail and Craig Dawson's going to be defended against Erling Haaland. (laughs) 
it's that kind of player. He's only 21, about to turn 22, but players don't want to play him. And I don't think City have had that fear factor. I, yeah. I don't think ever, even with Aguero and for all of his brilliance and him being one of the Premier League's greatest ever, I don't think we've had a player who really strikes fear. I mean, he grew between signing for City and doing his medical. He grew in, in height. <laughs> what What is Do- going on with that man? Dr. He, Kugat. <laughs> yeah, he grew. He grew nearly an inch between signing and doing his medical. It's <laughs> frightening. It's really, really scary. I didn't realise how tall he was until I saw him play for Norway the other night and thought, oh my God, he's getting bigger. And yeah, he's terrifying. He really is, not just in a good way, but in a bad way for opposition defenders. You know what? It's a really interesting point you're saying about the fear factor there and to bring Van Dijk into the conversation as well, because for me, I'm not taking anything away from Virgil van Dijk. I do believe he is an extraordinarily good defender, but the fear factor that has brought about is now a considerable part of who he is. Yeah. You, you see strikers afraid of taking him on. You see strikers actually, you know, got their head down, they've took someone on, great, you know, I'm going to do this now. And then they see it to Virgil van Dijk and the bottle goes. You actually see it from top-class strikers. So the reverse of that will be absolutely fascinating to see, you know, to see defenders afraid of taking them on. Um, yeah, it's a huge part of football, isn't it? And, and yeah, it is a big consideration. For me, a really... An aspect of this week, what has just made me so delighted was seeing him getting interviewed and the interviewer saying, have you seen kind of uh, City games in the last couple of years and imagined yourself playing and the positions you put yourself in straight away, big broad grin. Yes, I have. And it's going to be good. And that for me just says everything. It's like, yes, he has seen the amount of times, you know, Kevin De Bruyne has put in a perfect delivery and there's no one there. Or the, the perfect, the, the amount of times where a cross has come in, and we've described it on Twitter as, you know, an aimless cross, a kind of, you know, a powder puff cross, but it's not. It's a decent delivery. It's just that we've got Sterling in there, or we've got Gundo in there, who gets, gets out muscled, and the ball is easily cleared away. They won't be easily cleared away this time. These are bread and butter for Haaland. So I can't wait to see that in action. I mean, that is very exciting. Um, I think there's an aspect to the fact that opposition teams fear the collective with City. Yeah. It's like yeah. a collection of top-class players who don't give you the ball, like a playground bully. Uh, but now I've got an individual that will just, yeah, that could you know, really like hone in on the, that fear in a way. So. Is is there a, another point in that he gives us, he's going to be our plan A and gives us a plan B, mm. and we don't have a plan B currently. Um, he is going to play most games or most games that we need him in. Um, he he won't play all the games because Pep will, and Pep and the physios and the rest of the, the coaching team will have to manage him to make sure he's fit and all the rest of it. But he's going to be our plan A in that he's going to be our focal point. But then if we do need to start lumping it into the box, we've got a six foot six lad <laughs> who can head the ball, can score ridiculous volleys, can out-muscle defenders. He gives us both, which I don't think we've had. And um, there's been a lot of talk about his hold-up play isn't quite there. It's probably not. He's 21. Pep is going to turn him into that. He's he's going to play deeper than he probably has at Dortmund and, and link the play up a bit like Kane did. And that's why Kane was perfect for us last year. Yeah. He's going to be able to learn to do that. Instead of signing a 29-year-old Kane, we've signed a 21-year-old Haaland, who's probably not got that yet. 
But anybody working under Pep for long enough, I mean, give him two seasons and my God, it's frightening. Well, on that note though, Adam, um, just staying with you, because I I asked this of Howard on Wednesday, he's going to need a bedding in period. No matter how good he is, he's going to need to acclimatise to the style of football we play, different country, just everything. Um, Is there a danger that there's going to be too much expectation lavished on him for, for next season I'm talking about? I think it depends who the expectation comes from. Um, if he's having bad games, City have got a squad good enough where the play, the other players around him will have good enough games. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't worry me. There's going to be a massive, massive pressure from like globally from fans, from media. Eyes are going to be on City like never before, which I don't think we realise. We've signed one of the most high profile players in the world. We've never done that before. There there will be pressure for him early on, and he might not get it right, but. Uh, having listened to quite a few podcasts and read a few articles about people who've worked with him in the past, he's a winner and he he just won't give up. He'll do what it takes to win. He'll change his game to suit City in order for him to get the trophies that he wants. So it doesn't worry me. If he goes three games without scoring at the start of the season, so be it. He, yeah. But I can't see it. I think I think the other thing is I can't see it because the, the thing he's got is, yes, he's going to need to bed in. But if he's in the right position in the six-yard box and Cancelo puts a ball in, he'll score. He's not going to forget how to put the ball in the net. Yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah. just not. He, he'll be able to do that at ease. But will he find the the pace of City and and the the kind of the way that teams just play in a really really low defensive shape against us? Is, is he going to find that different? Yes. Is he going to struggle against it? I doubt it. I doubt it. We're not just signing a, a striker from. Um, the Dutch league that we that we've seen in the past, who've scored who scored forty goals in a season. This lad bullied Ruben Diaz against against City last year. Mm. He bullied him, and we've seen it. So he's not going to be worried. He's he's one of the most confident young men I've ever seen. Um, I don't think anything's going to phase him. It's pretty scary. Yeah, I mean the reason I. I asked it of Howard was because obviously the excitement around the, the, the signing but the reason I asked it again of you Adam was I saw on Twitter this morning I think it was a betting company saying the last debut that um, Erlen Haaland made he scored a hat-trick in 23 minutes be worried West Ham it's like oh come on <laughs> you know what I mean just just a last minute 30 yards will be yeah. for his debut <laughs> yeah and if if he doesn't score in that game it doesn't matter exactly it really yeah, doesn't yeah. matter I think the one thing that Haaland's going to bring as well that again we don't realise, and this does make me a bit excited for that first home game especially, the first time he gets the ball in the box, the crowd are going to be like, oh my God. Mm. Look, we don't have that. If And again, Jesus, Sterling, Maris, when they get the ball inside the box, you think, oh, for God's sake, shoot or <laughs> do something. Haaland's going to get the ball and you're going to think, oh God, here we go. And we've we've just not had that excitement. We're blessed with one of the best teams of all time without that focal point. And the other thing, finally on Haaland, he's going to take a lot of pressure off the players around him. He's going to take a lot of pressure off the midfielders to score goals. He's going to take a lot of pressure off the wingers to score goals because in the last season, the last two seasons without Aguero, really, we've not had a striker scoring goals. We've had Jesus chipping in with 15s. But now we've got a player who you can pin your hopes on 20 goals in all competitions. And we, we've not really had that. So he just changes everything, really. And players are going to be really excited to play with him. You see the interview with Foden where he's like, 
yeah, I, I can't wait to get playing with him. And Grealish is the same, and De Bruyne, because they know they've got this animal who they can give the ball to. Their numbers go up, the the confidence goes up. It's it's going to be scary. And if he gets injured, he gets injured. We've got players to come in. So oh, absolutely. I mean that. Artful in the Athletic this week was absolutely pathetic talking about his possible uh, injury problems and all the rest of it and just trying to find negatives. Um, yeah, it's really interesting what you say there about kind of um, the players who we don't overly have 100% faith in when, when a chance falls to them. Um, to the extent sometimes where they'll do the right thing and, and you know, slot it in the far corner. And I'm actually a touch surprised to see it happen. Um, I wrote about Haaland yesterday and, and I was kind of looking at City as a whole. None of it makes sense, Howard. The last two years, none of it makes sense. And we've got a really good XG. We've got players who, as Adam says, just step up every season to share around the goal-scoring kind of load in lieu of a centre-forward. And yet, when you look at them individually, Raheem, Mahrez, oh God, I could go on, Jesus... These are players who you don't really overly back them in one-on-one situations. So kind of what gives it, well, there's no question here, but do you agree that none of it really makes sense these last two years, how Pep's done it? Well, we don't, we don't score many from one-on-one situations, I guess. No, but or, or even, you know, let's say 15 yards out with just keep it to beat, ball comes across, you know, it, it, we do, we, we seem to spoon a lot of chances and yet the stats disprove that. And I can't I really make sense. Well, we uh, just create we create so many chances, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's why your opposition team should be scared. It's like, yeah, we can ninety five percent of the time we can afford to miss chances. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. and someone always steps up. Yeah, it might be Gundogan suddenly scores seven in seven games. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's always someone who steps up. Uh, but basically, the false nine will use it again. We will use it again, but. I yeah, think it's run its course for me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the next chapter. I'm ready for uh, the team adapting and Pep adapting because I don't know. I think it's one of the great, it's one of the great league wins the past season because it was a make do system for me. I don't think, I don't think Pep wanted to have no strikers in his squad. So, yeah, obviously we tried to sign Kane. So yeah, to get over the line and win that league without. Recognised striker makes it one of the great achievements of the last few years. So. Yeah, well, it certainly could be said that no one stepped up for England in the past couple of weeks. Um, so switching tack to the kind of international scene, um, before we don't really have to talk about the internationals now until another kind of four or five months. But across these four or five months, Adam, it's going to feel very different as an England supporter, isn't it, to how it was you know, last March, for example. Everything seems to be going so well, and now it's not. What would you put that down to? Um, a lot of things, to be quite honest. I've I've avoided as much of it as possible. Mm. Um, I think I care almost as little as the players do. <laughs> um, ge- genuinely, and it's I'm not going to make excuses for Southgate. He doesn't need them. He's very negative, very conservative. It works in tournament football. Um, it doesn't look great when you're playing against Hungary and losing two games and the other two being drab. But the players, they're screwed, the players. Yeah. And and I know that um, Stones came out and said, oh, but every game we want to play, we want to try, blah, blah, blah. I've not seen such half-arsed performances in any level of football ever. Um, yes, they probably should care more because they're, they're playing for a place in a World Cup squad, blah, blah, blah. 
But the other thing you can't win with is fans want to see these young players, Gray and Gallagher and Bowen, they want them to all get a chance. You try and slot them into a side that works together. It doesn't work. I just think a lot of it is to do with the fact that these players need a holiday before one of the busiest years in history Mm. of club and international football. We've never seen a, a season like the one we're about to see. If they aren't conserving energy, I'd be really worried. So I think a lot of it just comes down to they're not that bothered. The Nations League is just one of those kind of throwaway things. It's great when you, you're in it. Like the other year was good fun because it was a novelty and it was new. And now I think they've just realised this is the time where we can muck about, see if any of the newer players look any good, see if any of the older players look any bad. It's just a bit, come on, who really cares? If you want to look at it from, is Southgate doing something wrong or England ruined? Look at France. Haven't they yeah, won yeah. one game, lost one, drawn two, scored two goals? Two, lost two, so. Yeah, yeah, so they it's the same sort of thing. These are the players the, at the top level of the England squad. You've got a lot of City players, a couple of Liverpool in there, Spurs. It, in France, you've got a lot of players who play in La, Liga, in La Liga, a lot who play in the Premier League. They've had massive seasons. They've had 60-plus game seasons. They need this break before the season, by the way, which starts early this year. So there's there's just no respite for them. And I can't blame them for putting in just boring, rubbish performances in games nobody's really watching anyway. Yeah, And if you are, fair enough. (laughs) No, I'd go along with that. I I would say it's a big talking point in so much that there's not enough time really for, for Southgate to rectify this. Um, he's got two games coming up in September, away to Italy, home to Germany. And essentially his, his MO there is to avoid finishing bottom of the group. Um, and then it's straight into the World Cup. So, and there is no room in these fixtures now to squeeze in a friendly or, or two, which is traditional before a World Cup. So you have that, to grow during the tournament. Yeah. Is, is that a concern for you, Howard then? Well, everyone's in the same boat, really. Uh, because none of this mattered. I mean, yeah, I'm not a Southgate fan. We talked about, I can't remember which podcast recently. He's been great off the pitch. Yeah. And it needed it, the squad. Yeah, it used to be cliques and that sort of stuff. David Beckham, man, uh, refute that on his uh, yeah. walk around with uh, Gary Neville this week. But Well, it was a good advert, that for guitar, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's not go down that road. Mm. Well, that's going ever for you. Uh, you pick and choose, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like like most journalists, you pick and choose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. it suits, basically. No tough questions for some people, just others. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needed that, though. I thought his turn a blind eye from Maguire uh, rather showed he was... He, Southgate himself can be hypocritical because he all, always talks about form as well. I don't... Look, he's not great. He's not one of the great managers. We all know it. So, but I'm not hanging out to dry. I'm not, yeah, from this Nations League where the players just win. I mean, if Kevin De Bruyne, the consummate professional, says I'm treating the Nations League as a friendly, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to do the same. And I guess other players are. And it's, it's weird. If the World Cup had started this summer, yeah, he would have had even bigger issues because coming off the last season and going straight to World Cup. He'd, yeah, you'd have these tight players and it'd be a World Cup. Maybe he could rouse themselves because it means more in a World Cup, but it could actually do him a favour to have it delayed for six months where everyone's in the same boat in a way. Uh, he was never going to be trying his first 11 because there's players that just weren't 
as you say, were playing up to the week before this Nation League and weren't in a fit state. Uh, my, my bigger issue is I don't know if he knows what his first 11 is. I don't know if he knows what his formation is. I don't know. He has all this time to think about these things, but I don't know if he knows. Uh, I just, basically, it's not, the world. it's an interesting group, but you've got Iran to start and, you know, come on, you've got, you can use the tournament itself to grow into it. That's often how teams that win the tournament do anyway. They they gain momentum during the tournament yeah. and that's what he'll have to do. Mm. I just hope he's got solid ideas of what TV wants and how to play by the time it arrives, basically. I mean, it's, it's, it's the other thing there, Howard, you say that about growing into the tournament and I've seen a lot of like very hot takes on, oh, England are definitely going to draw with Iran. Just like, remember that Saudi Arabia game years ago? It was like yeah. 20, whenever it was. Don't, this is the same England team and the same England manager that went to the last World Cup and turned Panama over, what was it, 6-0. And, uh, they will beat those easier teams if he's got the right ideas, like you yeah. say. So there's just some weird takes going around. Of, oh, he's very negative. He's very conservative oh. against teams that he thinks might beat us. Against Iran, I fully expect yeah. England to just go out and pace them. Or they should no, the, hot, the hot takes after the game against Hungary were just... I mean, it's an embarrassing result, but ultimately it doesn't matter. I mean, it's the main thing is, yeah, they get relegated. Then we've got these... A host of really meaningless games that they'll have to play that yeah. will be dour. <laughs> you know, dour. That the players will care even less about, probably, because they'll be in a, a group against teams that the Nations League was supposed to avoid you being you know, <laughs> yeah. playing against. It's supposed to match teams of similar ability. And it's done quite well in that. It works quite well for lesser teams. It helps them develop. But, yeah, I I have doubts about Southgate. I think, I forget. I forgot. Having Looking back, we, we got past Germany. In the, yeah, it's say, yeah, we didn't meet anyone to get to these big games where we then choked. Uh, I have doubts Southgate that when... His cautious nature really does irritate me a bit. Don't expect us to be gunko. You have to be conservative, I think, in international football. But when we go ahead in a big game, I have doubts about the tactical nous of, of Southgate to deal with that, as shown by the Croatia game and the Italy game. But he's not going anywhere, <laughs> You nor should he. You cannot change a manager when we've only got two games to go before the World Cup. And ultimately, how he does in the World Cup will then decide whether he should stay. So the more likely thing is we go out, let's say we play quite well and go out to France in the quarterfinals. And the uncertainty is still there about just how good he is as a manager. But it- what can you do? What can you do? You don't you don't have the pick of the world's greatest managers, do you? So no, I mean, people Unless are just lucky, chucking the normal names lucky, around. Yeah. It's like Graham Potter and the like. But basically, you're just picking the best kind of Eng- English alternatives out there. But um, yeah, I love the assumption that Graham Potter would jump at the Well, exactly. I have no interest whatsoever in taking over England. That's so partly the reason why Southgate got the job, because it's not a big draw anymore, no. frankly, is it? So, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to kind of, you know, err towards the hyperbolic here and go to OTT. But is there a danger that if we stick, if we... If England stick with with Southgate, then in years to come it could be looked back on as a, a kind of wasted opportunity because he's got a fantastic group of young players coming through. Um, is there a danger that we basically could look back and go like 
like Belgium did the same, didn't they, with Wilmots? Kind of just stuck the same manager who, who essentially held them back and didn't fulfil their, their, their true potential. Is there a danger of that happening with England? I think Southgate's gone after the World Cup anyway, to be honest. Right. Um, so, yes, maybe, but I think England are in a bit of a state of flux at the moment where there is this mad new era of players coming through, but none of them have quite got a place in the team. Like you look at Foden, he he hasn't got a solid position for England. Um, albeit he he plays most games for City now, he can't really get in um, in the England team properly, which I find a bit weird. Mm. Um, you've got new defenders like Gwei, and you've got uh, Gallagher's, and uh, the right back thing rolls on, and and the left backs. You've got new players coming through, so they're in a bit of a, a transitional phase anyway, but. When he puts out his starting eleven, we kind of know what that's going to be. I think this will be his last tournament. Um, I, I can't imagine he'll get to twenty twenty four. He might do. It depends how they do in this in this World Cup. But like Howard says, we don't really have the pick of managers to go to. Mm. And Southgate has done a ridiculously good job of kind of bringing fans who weren't really that bothered about international football back into following and supporting England properly. And the way he's dealt with the politics of the job and led kind of not just the team, but in some regards, the, the actual bloody nation at times is is admirable, but it, it doesn't make you the best football manager in the world. Um, yeah. I just can't see who on earth replaces him. So do you do what they did with Southgate? Do you look down towards bloody Lee Carsley? Or, mm. like, I, I don't know where they go um, because... I'm not having that any Premier League manager is taking the England job. So no, cause it, it destroys reputations. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. There's no easy way out of that. I, all I do know is I don't think England will be going back to Wolves anytime soon. No. <laughs> I no. found the crowd reaction absolutely bizarre, to be honest. I mean, you've paid money and your team's playing terrible. I understand. But booing on Maguire doesn't you know. I'm a City fan who thinks Maguire's rubbish. <laughs> But I wouldn't sit in that ground booing him onto a pitch. I just think that's despicable anyway, because it doesn't even help the team. It doesn't yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're booing him because you think he's rubbish. Don't boo someone because he's rubbish. Boo someone because you despise him as a human being or something. They've done something terrible. It's just very weird. And he's coming on late on in the match anyway. It's like, what are you t- why are you trying to destroy everyone's confidence anyway? How's that helping? And it's a Nations League game. It's like, yeah, he was. He was a hero, despite falling short at the Euros. His stock was so high after the Euros that how can it be destroyed by some nation's league game? I don't, I don't understand it to be honest. Yeah, and but there's no new ones, is there? I mean, Ellie Holt's hot take article. Oh my word! Yeah, he's just uh, we all hate Southgate because he's. A lefty liberal woke person or something. It's so incredible. No, I just like to, like to see our attacking prowess used. To yeah, to <laughs> I just want to Actually, see. Actually, don't yeah. talk for me, Ollie. Holt, with these <laughs> stupid hot takes about why telling us why we hate Southgate. But that's the thing. There's no nuance, is there? Most people don't hate him. Most people don't think he's terrible. Don't think he's the Messiah either. You know, they just think, well, it is what it is, and he's probably not quite good enough. Mm. But we'll see. He's the manager, and we'll, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, but you don't get nuance, do you? Most of the time, it's just like no, uh, well, a timeline after the match was. 
it's not his fault, or he must go, he's useless, England will never win anything. And then there's the hot takes, well, all the previous managers didn't win anything. Well, that's irrelevant. You've got to <laughs> you've got to deal with what he's doing in his job now. Well, maybe it's not irrelevant. Maybe it's a poison chalice being in the manager. We have to take that into consideration, that he has got this group together, you know, and there's a better dynamic now. And maybe can, tactics aren't that important. Who knows? Can you think of a worse job to take oh, yeah, in, yeah. World, in world football than Pro- the England job? No. Well, I would say, what did he do those maybe. days? <laughs> what True. What did international managers do those days? I think for a couple of million pounds a year. Yeah, maybe. I'd I'm, take I mean, though, as, as a serious football manager, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's always this Potter shout. And I mean, which is impossible because he's going to end up as city manager. But um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to I'm I'm going to keep plugging that forever and ever. Um, Graham Potter is not taking the England job. He's Graham Potter is an England manager who's very good, doing very well at a club with limited resource, and he's going to end up in one of the top jobs in the Premier League. He's not going to take the England job and be well, under the maybe pressure. When he's sixty, maybe. When yeah, he's exactly. 60, yeah. When he's 40 or whatever he is now he might not yeah. even be 40 he he's not taking that job now and potentially ruin ruining what an amazing reputation he's building up at a club like brighton he's not doing it eddie howe's not going to do it because he's he's newcastle manager i don't know if england are going to go back to uh international manager managers again i don't know i don't think they will do that again um unless a certain Mr. Pep Guardiola comes up at some point, which you wouldn't rule out in 10, 15 years. But it's it's just like, what what do England fans want? Yes, we want a manager who's going to play attacking, free-flowing football and win everything. You find me that manager, you convince them to take the job and then we'll go from there. But in the meantime, stop booing teams in like over-hyped friendlies after a 60-plus game season. Before a World Cup in December, just grow up a little bit. It's boring. I, I it's think, really um, boring. Graham Potter has been new Alan Kirbishly as regards to do ev- not sli- do not say that about. Sir no, Graham no. Potter, what, what I mean, what I mean is every big job, yes, top yes. six job, England job. He's always going to be four to one in in, in yeah. the. Uh, <laughs> he is. Yeah. It's just always. Is. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he's not. He's never going to take any of these jobs, but he will. Um, and as regards to, I, I kind of disagree with you on Eddie Howe. I think Eddie Howe is a good shout. I think maybe a, a shrewd bet there would be to go in for Eddie Howe to be the next England manager because I can't see him being Newcastle manager after Christmas. The World Cup will finish after Christmas. Southgate will very likely leave yeah. post tournament. It's, it's a possibility there, but we'll, well see. yeah, yeah, like City's development. I'm not saying he's Mark Hughes, <laughs> uh, but. At some point, unless he just, you know, he really does just keep, you know, if his success continues and how has to stay, but you could see in a couple of years when he wants to really go into the top stage that they'll want the manager with the profile to go mm. with that football. Uh, Potter's 47, by the way, older than I thought. So really? Maybe maybe he's nearer to that England job than you, than you realised. Oh, was. God. Well, no, because he's, he's got a six-year plan. Uh, yeah. At City to to get through first, um, <laughs> as if he's that old. I'm stunned by that. Uh, oh. Never forget, I, I did go and see his Ostersunds team play in the Olympic Stadium in Berlin. Um, <laughs> so I've been I've been there since day dot with uh, my mate Graham. Yeah, <laughs> just... they they 
They lost that game, by the way. <laughs> but let's, let's get over that. Can I just point out, 47 is not old. Right, so let's move on from that. I thought, I thought he was under 40, genuinely. Really? Yeah, what? I mean, Brighton's been good to him, I think. Yeah, I, I would have guessed at 43, 42, so he is older than I thought. So that's the, yeah. Yes, yeah, dude. good yeah, for yeah. skin, yeah. Let's turn our attention to the Premier League fixtures that came out this week. Um, away once again on the first day of the season, which is a real shitter, frankly. It's, what is it, six seasons in a row now? Well, um, do you, can I just say, mm. I think City might have requested that. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I think, I think oh, they we did. We have gigs, don't we? So we're probably relaying yeah. the turf, aren't we? Fair enough. But I, I read an article that said the initial one, you know, before they make the changes and do the request, the initial one always has a team playing once at home and once away in the first and last day of the season. Right. So the initial thing would have had City either yeah, yeah. home or the last one, when we're not at home, or this one. So something was moved, and it could be. It's a shame, because I wanted a home game to start the season off. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it could be. I'm not saying this is the fact, but it's possible City requested it to give the... Turf a bit more time. I, so. I believe you're right, Howard, and I believe we've yeah. done it for the last five years. Yeah. I believe City have requested oh. the away game oh. um, for each of the last five or six seasons to uh, give the give the pitch extra time after ten gigs or whatever it is. Yeah, um, but I don't know how. Like when you request it, uh, do they have to say yes? That's what I didn't get. Like, do, do they have to just say yeah, yeah, crack on? Is it? Mm. I don't understand that. I'm not bothered about playing away first. I don't like us playing away last. Yeah, and, and there's a Chelsea home game in our penultimate game as well. Uh, who is it? Brentford we got last. Yeah. Yes. Correct. So Chelsea at home, Brentford away. That's not a good conclusion to the season. That's, that's tricky. Um, yeah, prior to that, it's not too bad. To be no, no, no. We've got Everton away as well, haven't we, in that? In that as, last as always, I mean, what is it with that? That's like there's certain ones which you know always we've got United October, September or October, and that's been the same throughout my whole life. We've got United yeah. it's September October. We always seem to have Everton, um, particularly away towards the end of the season. Um, Chelsea stands out for me. It's an odd one that uh, second to last game. We don't normally get a, a game that big so close to the end of the season. But the same could be said for United v Liverpool three games in. I mean, that's. Quite odd. I mean, the season's just getting started and suddenly we have to hear all about the biggest game in the world. Um, well, yeah. The only one is United second. We've done with them by the 14th of January. So, ah, yeah. as you say, we almost we always seem to play them in March. Always March, like end of April, April beginning of April. Yeah, yeah, it's like United will be there as well. Maybe Liverpool will just though. replace yeah, them now. So, yeah. so. But I'm happy that we've played United twice by the 14th of January. Now. We've got some... Um, some really tricky clusters of fixtures though across the season. There's that, that bit in October where we've got United at home, then Southampton, then Liverpool away, Arsenal away. And in between that will be Champions League fixtures. Right. So we could have Liverpool away, Champions League fixture, Arsenal away, Champions League fixture. Um, that's a, t- a tough bit. And then the middle of January, we've got, uh, sorry, in January, we've got Chelsea away, United away, Wolves at home, Spurs away as a cluster of four. So there's there's some bits you can already see shaping up to, okay, these are the bits that make the season. Yeah. Particularly- you can already see it kind of shaping up that way. And the most important fixture of the season is Forest away on the 18th of February. <laughs> so, um, no, I, th- I think 
Uh, I any mean, spares, by the way? I'm looking for one. Already. Yeah, yeah. I'm already. Don't worry. I'm. I'm already looking. Um, <laughs> but I. Th- I think the other thing is there's there's always these these people saying, "Oh, I see that everyone has to play everybody twice." Blah mm. blah blah. As if it. As if it doesn't make a difference when you play teams. I think the first two or three games mean absolutely sod all. But then those bits near December, um, January time they're kind of what make and break your season. And then you want the end of the season to be scattered with decent winnable home games, which we don't really have this year. Mm. So in like our last home games are Leicester at home, Arsenal at home, Leeds at home, Chelsea at home. There's no... I, I wanted to see that Bournemouth at home. Um, I wanted to see Brentford at home, Southampton at home. We yeah. haven't got any of those. Um, instead, we've got teams who... Leicester might be pushing for Europe. Arsenal might be pushing for Europe. Leeds might be fighting relegation. Chelsea might be pushing for for top four. Blah blah blah. There's Say a lot about of anyone, yeah. yeah, yeah. There is, but you start looking at it thinking, oh, never mind. But it could be like last year when um, all the fixtures get moved anyway. So you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're right about the start of the season because I saw someone point out that Liverpool. The last four years, maybe even five years, I've started the season at home to a, a recently promoted side. Uh, and no, uh, it's supported side last four years, but not always home. I think I misquoted right. that. As well, okay, so. but they were saying that as you know, oh how lucky are Liverpool, and you think, well, no, actually, you could equally say that the time you least want to play a promoted side is the first game of the season, when it's, when it's all an adventure for them and they've got nothing to lose and etc. etc. So, yeah, the- I, I'm with you on the start of the season. The other thing there, Steers, um, in those last four seasons, they played four promoted teams at home first. In how many of those seasons did they go on to win the league? Mm. One. So, moot point, <laughs> move on. It's like, come on, people will moan about anything. They, they can play, they could be playing Norwich at home and they're not even in the league. Don't care. As as long as we beat them to the, the title. I don't care. Look at last year, we got beat by Spurs first game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've arranged for obviously a proper pre-season this time. At, at, you would hope at least so, which is the yeah you know, the previous two seasons not had at all to be honest. There'd been players missing galore. But it'd be I think the interesting one for me. If uh, I, I don't, people say oh you play everyone twice. I mean, come on, we we organise our entire lives around fixture lists. Yeah, exactly. it kind of matters who you play on Boxing Day. It's like you know when you play Liverpool, you want to know when it is. But it's interesting how players act. There's no big six uh, fixtures are in the week before the World Cup. Mm. And I think City have got two pretty easy home games. Well, very winnable home games like Fulham or someone else. Maybe Fulham and Brentford or someone like that at home. Be interesting to see how the players play in a mid-season, knowing that one false move and they are out of a World Cup. Well, quite, yeah. yeah and I mean, not, not Marais or Harland, of course, because they'll have a month off, but Mm. loads of Premier League players will be going to that World Cup and yeah I don't know they'll be easing off in those last couple of weeks well, I was thinking the similar thing when Adam said about the difficult January because post World Cup you know that's a lot mm. of football they've played that's a lot of things they've gone through emotionally they've gone through and suddenly they're right back into the, the grind of Premier League football and we've got really tricky kind of group of, of games there so yeah, where the World Cup lands and how that will impact upon the players is a huge consideration as regards to this season ahead, of course it is. So, and yeah, I think most, most of that. importantly of all, 
Carabao Cup fourth round is the week beginning 21st of December. So mad. Right. Those Jeez. fixtures are going to be a bit in. They're going to be a bit tasty because we've got that fixture, Carabao. We've got Leeds away, Everton at home, Chelsea away, United away. All they're the first games back from the World Cup. Mm. I think one thing to consider this year. This is a, a bold prediction, but I'll stand by it for as long as it remains true. I don't think we'll see any teams getting 92 no, plus no, points I this agree, season. I completely agree. Um, say I think, that every season. I say no, that No, no, I think, yeah. I think this but World yeah. Cup year, I think because of the World Cup, the chances of injury because of it, the, the short summer before it, I just can't, I can't imagine how. Unless I, by miracle, a team can keep their whole squad fit. After the I World th- Cup. Yeah. I think there'll maybe. be more rotation as well by the yeah. managers. I think yeah. they just have to, yeah. Which yeah, puts them at risk of dropping a few points here and there. So Yeah. Um lads, I put on the agenda about talking about transfers, but time is against us and I think it'd Oof. rather fit neatly to us to have a transfer pod next Friday. Um unless there's anything you particularly want to discuss, any kind of transfers this week what's grabbed your attention? Um, Not a lot happening I mean, yet. It's rumours, isn't it? I, I a think lot Spurs, of it is rumours. Spurs point. stand out for me, I think. That yeah. 100%. Might be doing some good business. Mm. Spurs look like they they mean real real business now. Keep Conte, build a proper squad. The the one thing I'm impressed with, they're, they're just doing upgrades on players. You know, mm. rather than buying... So they're, they're upgrading the midfield by bringing Basuma in. They're looking, by all accounts, at Rafinha to improve that right wing the the bringing in Jed Spence as a better right back I think it's quite impressive that they're doing that in such a way I think um, by all accounts the the one that's grabbed my attention the last couple of days is that Mateus Nunes who was at Sporting who Mm. by all accounts every club in the in the world was after Mm. apparently Wolves are looking um quite good to bring him in for a club record fee of 50 odd million we're only five million apart at this point so they will surely kind of negotiate that yeah which which is a that is a statement signing bringing yeah. in sporting's best player for 50 odd million at a club who are pushing for europa league is is a big one i think just overall the premier league are bringing in the best players now just across the board yeah and a That's lot of them the, are from the Portugal. Thing. I mean, the big talking point at this point is... <laughs> they are how, Wolves, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Absolutely. But it, it's like the new France. I mean, back in the day, you know, it, France was, particularly post-Wenger, France was where everyone got their players from, and now it's Portugal. Yeah. And So that, that suggests good things for Portugal on an international scene yeah. in years to come. Can I just put my tinfoil hat on mm-hmm. briefly? Uh, one that stands out for me is into trying to get... For five million. Back on yeah. Imagine that is we, brilliant. Now, if it happens, imagine if we'd loaned Grealish out this summer. For the, five million, yeah. Yeah. The absolute, the, the, yeah, the response in the media and fans if we'd loaned out a hundred million pound signing a year after signing them. But I, I, I would. Chelsea get none of that. Howard, I've said this so many times in the pod and, and I, I stand by this. I, I'd be more angry if I was a Chelsea fan at the fact that they're not getting any flack. No one takes them seriously in the media. At least, like the fact that we get would get flack in that regard means that we are treated seriously as a football club. Chelsea in the media are just kind of perceived to be a business, um, and that's precisely why they won't get flack. When you know, so I think it's more insulting for them to be kind of so. I don't know where the media will be like, yeah, well, it's Chelsea in it. That's what they do. It's quite funny though, isn't it? 
Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, yes. It's hilarious. great. It's quite funny. Hilarious, yeah. Yeah. Just like, hundred million pound striker comes in, scores what two goals, <laughs> goes back on loan to the club he came from, who after a month said he still loved. It's like it's like Love Island or something. Yeah. It's utterly bizarre. And the fact that he's such an ill fit for Chelsea and for Tuchel and and how they play. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> how can he spend that much money and then go? Oh, hang on, it doesn't really fit what we're trying to do here. The the last the last one that I find interesting. What about De Jong to United? Genuinely, uh, I I don't like. I've I've listened to a few and watched a few videos on like Tifo and stuff about how he'd fit in and stuff. I don't know if it's a good signing because it's either going to be a really good signing or is it just, oh, he's a really good midfielder. Barcelona need the money. We need a midfielder. Does he fit? Do we care? Let's, is it another one of those? I don't know. I can't work it out, genuinely. I don't I, know if it's really I good there's or... A, there's a danger in as regards to the money it's going to cost and the amount of time it's taking to get him over the line. There is a danger, and obviously it's a danger I want to happen, where they are putting all their eggs in one basket this summer. Um, and United fans are starting to feel that right now. They're saying, look, either get him or move on because we need players quickly. And what what are we now? It's like four weeks away from the players returning and they haven't got anyone in yet and they need three, four, five players. So and that's that's what I'm kind of putting some hope right. on, the fact that they're basically so obsessed with getting him. Um, but yeah, he, of course he's going to be a good signing. I'm sorry, I just failed to understand why on earth he would sanction going to United. Yeah. I Money. No. Yeah. But... Come Money. on, there's got to be and someone else. In. If Barcelona need to get rid of him, really, yeah, why is that, no? Yeah, really why is nobody else? Would make yeah. him, honestly, yeah. it's like oh, a City pod or whatever to go at United. Seriously, <laughs> look at it logically. Is is there anyone no else? No reason I, for him to go there. Maybe nobody else is interested. No, well, yeah. I mean I can't ten recall them offhand, but there's there's at least ten real top quality either defensive midfielders or that kind of, you know, box-to-box midfielder out there this summer go in. And so I think that's a big part of it as well. We've never seen so many midfielders of that ilk and that position which who are available this summer. So that has to be a part yeah. of it. I, I just mean, feel... He, he could end up at City, you know, if Bernardo Silva wants to go. And I, be like, I was no, just going to say... Barcelona, aren't we? Playing a friendly there in the third week of the season. And the podcast ASAP because the thought of us yeah, losing yeah. Bernardo Silva, ge- genuinely losing Bernardo Silva would be criminal. Yeah. He's, I, he's I honestly good. think that ruins, like, yeah, we've signed Haaland, brilliant. We're signing a new good left back, great. We've lost one of our best players. And just someone who I personally adore. And, and I swear bad. to God as well, if we let him go to Barcelona as well for anything less than 80 odd million quid, just fold the club. What's the point? If we're we're just feeding them players at, at this point. Mm. If yeah, if he's going for different times, yeah. No, no. They've got no money, it's so it's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. Well it will right. no, why it would happen is as a kind of swap deal with De Young, but yeah. If Spots and Maybes as a, as a, if Aysan was here now, he'd be like, No chance it happens because they obviously can't, I mean they can't afford to register players. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the only way they can do it is swapping. You know, swap. They they cannot offer any money for Bernardo Silva. That much I'm absolutely sure about. So, good lads. We're gonna have to wrap this up. Um, thanks a lot for joining us today, Adam. Thank you. I'm just going to open every single window and <laughs> every single fan. 
bank yeah. sandwich. You were yeah, free like to that wear. pollen in, like that pollen into the oh, into the room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cheers. Enjoyed that. That's cheers. And that's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to see if this cricket malarkey is any good to help us get through the summer. So just to understand it, it's rounders for grown-ups, right? Okay. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, be well, and forever up the magnificent blues.